the social networks have thus far skirted regulatory action by letting elected officials lie with impunity and by providing the FBI and CIA with unfettered access to their data. Eric Schwartzman, author of The Digital Pivot, and this is the Earned Media Podcast. What if the truth was trendworthy? Or what if there was a way to finally run the social media circus out of town? If you didn't have a chance to think through the impact of social media on politics, culture, and the truth, in this podcast, I'm going to unpack what's going on in that world for you. Why is the Facebook whistleblower such a big deal? How is social media changing the mainstream media business? And what does it all mean for the free world? That's what this podcast is about. It's just me today, Eric Schwartzman. I want to talk to you about the state of truth in the network age. I'm guilty of having promoted the benefits of social media for marketing. Now, I see the error of my ways. Now, social media is the dominant global channel through which everyone receives news and information. Now, the old newsroom adage, if it bleeds, it leads, has been computationalized. And conspiracies have more gravity than anything level-headed. But what if intellect outweighed influence online? Politics and culture would change overnight. Instead of rubbernecking over trending nonsense, we'd see truth. But in a world of infinite content choices, critical thinking loses out to sensationalism, manipulation, and deceit. Facebook misdirected us with its pledge to disband facial recognition while keeping engagement-based amplification algorithms firmly intact, spawning a new generation of social media influencers trying to reverse-engineer algorithms in search of fame and fortune. I empathize with Dixie D'Amelio, Charlie's older sister on Hulu's The D'Amelio Show. Dixie doesn't quite have Charlie's kinesthetic intelligence or otherworldly, faraway smile. Like most of us, Dixie wears her human frailty on her sleeve. Dixie's not vindictive or mean, but she's more like Betty Davis's character, and Charlie's more like Joan Crawford's character in the Hollywood classic film, Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. Both of these kids are under enormous pressure because there's a lot of money riding on their ability to attract and engage followers. Now for Dixie, the demands of social celebrity are so daunting, she's working out the consequences in psychotherapy. Or at least that's what they want us to think on the show. Who knows what's true? Reality television is deceitfully false. But the point is, engineering social virality is a business now. The D'Amelio Show is about making markets through social media. 
Well, when I was a kid, young people wanted to be film directors and rock stars. But today, they want to be something else entirely. More on that when we return. This is Eric Schwartzman on the Earned Media Podcast. Stay with us. 86% of young people aspire to post social media content for money, according to a Morning Consult report. But becoming a social media influencer isn't easy. When you consider what drove Charlie D'Amelio's rise to TikTok stardom, you can't help but chalk it up to serendipity, which she actually acknowledges herself on the show. Charlie is a modern-day Savannah Guthrie. She's the girl next door who puts you at ease. But before social media, that quality was much more evasive because without the mainstream media, there was no way to learn to develop the kind of on-screen persona that people want to spend time with. But a camera phone and TikTok put the power of global broadcast in the palm of your hand. Now, anyone can learn to be likable on screen. Social media influencers are the ones who, through luck, trial, error, and persistence, figure out how to make repeatable viral videos. And they know that if it looks like they're trying too hard, or they care too much, or want it too bad, they'll repel audiences. Explicitly craving attention is cringeworthy. The trick is to strike a believable, devil-may-care pose. Naked ambition is only tolerable on social media when it's discreetly masked. If it feels like you're trying to lure comments and likes, you won't. Trending posts feel authentic, spontaneous, and organic, even if they aren't. False modesty is the new spin. For those intent on climbing the online influence ladder, it's fine to be a blowhard, but not an egotist. Like running for elected office, the never-ending social media audition to amass followers requires thick skin, a willingness to manipulate without bias, and a nose for sensationalism, greed, and lust. It requires tapping into your inner William Randolph Hearst, who got rich on doctored, sensationalized headlines to sell newspapers. Social networks rose to dominance on the promise of dethroning the mainstream media. No longer would broadcasters and print publishers have a chokehold on what stories got told. Finally, the news media filter would be disintermediated by the truth. Who needs journalism or public relations to protect your reputation if you can bypass the gatekeepers and tell the story yourself? Direct-to-audience storytelling and personal branding were the harbingers of direct-to-consumer e-commerce. Together, they're called content marketing. And for direct-to-consumer e-commerce companies, they're a huge revenue opportunity. No satellite, printing press, or barrels of ink required. All you need is a WordPress site, Google Analytics, some social media accounts, and the gravitational pull of juicy, outrageous, opportunistic storytelling disguised as news. Little did we know, unscrupulous charlatans like Alex Jones 
would use the web as a vehicle to promote their unproven cure-all remedies or that anyone would actually be foolish enough to buy them. But that's where we are today. Science has fallen prey to modern-day medicine men showing silly hunches optimized for algorithms. Engagement-based amplification doesn't reward level-headedness. These formulas extend user session time by anointing demagoguery, not sanity. Kim Kardashian has 350 million followers. So for her, hosting Saturday Night Live, which draws a paltry audience of 10 million, is much more intimate, she quipped in her opening monologue when she hosted. Kardashian is popular for being popular. She became a social media icon by leaking her own sex tape, a stunt she copied from Paris Hilton. It's no coincidence Kardashian cut her teeth in influencer land as Hilton's personal assistant. Kardashian and Hilton socially engineered their careers by oozing sex and exclusion, which are digitally detected and amplified by social media algorithms to play into our collective lusts and envy and keep us online longer. Because the longer we use these social media services, the more of our attention Facebook, Google, Apple, and Amazon have to sell to advertisers. The unfortunate unintended consequences we are now learning are depression, isolation, addiction, eating disorders, and in the case of conspiracy theorists, vaccine resistance and election fraud conspiracies. What so many of us thought would be the democratization of information has become an infodemic. But it's all reversible. And I'll tell you how when we return to this discussion about neutralizing social media propaganda. After this, stay with us. Social networks move sensational posts to the top of the screen because they're financially rewarded to do so and shielded from any legal liability at the same time. They actually profit from crazy and carnal content because unlike broadcast media programmers, you can't sue social media programmers for what they amplify. You can only sue the author of the post. And that's because of a law called the Communications Decency Act, which in Section 230 gives social networks broad immunity from any legal liability stemming from content created by others on their platforms. They're even allowed to edit other people's posts, whether for accuracy or civility, so long as their edits don't change the meaning. Now, when Section 230 was enacted, Engagement-based amplification hadn't been invented. And the thinking was that if telephone companies weren't liable for what people said on phone calls and Xerox wasn't liable for what people made copies of, social networks shouldn't be able to be sued out of existence for what people shared on their platforms. Now, at the time, social media feeds were displayed in reverse chronological order. The newest message appeared at the top of the stack, and people went back to see the latest post. 
So the social networks played no editorial role in what posts were displayed at the top of the screen. That was determined by the passage of time. But in 2006, Facebook introduced their edge rank algorithm, displaying by default those posts that got the most likes, comments, and shares at the top of the screen instead of the most current ones. Reach became a factor of engagement. As Hearst, the original fake news purveyor, once said, if it bleeds, it leads. And Facebook's algorithm computationalized that concept by seeking out and putting the most emotionally engaging content at the top of what Mark Zuckerberg's company opportunistically dubbed the newsfeed. Whistleblower Francis Hagen made it easy to understand that engagement-based amplification is intentional and not arbitrary. Because Facebook decides who sees what. And if they make decisions about who sees what, they're no longer an innocent bystander. Facebook and all the other digital media services that use engagement-based amplification is much more like a news media outlet than a telephone company. So for that reason, holding them harmless for what people say on their platform doesn't make sense. In fact, I'd say it gives them an unfair advantage over mainstream media who are legally accountable for the information they amplify. Facebook invented engagement-based ranking, but they're not the only social network using it to increase user session time. Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, TikTok, Reddit, Apple, Amazon, and nearly every other popular digital media platform uses engagement to decide which posts, products, and apps appear top screen. Rewarding whatever's trending with even more traffic is kind of like fanning the flames of a wildfire. It's like outfitting a lynch mob with figurative pitchforks and torches. But despite the threat these platforms present to rationality, they're effectively shielded from liability by Section 230. In her book, Surveillance Capitalism, Harvard professor Shoshana Zuboff writes about what she calls an epistemic coup between Congress, the social networks, and the intelligence community. Zuboff argues that the social networks have thus far skirted regulatory action by letting elected officials lie with impunity and by providing the FBI and CIA with unfettered access to their data. But there is something we can do about it. I'll explain when we return. This is Eric Schwartzman on the Earned Media Podcast. Stay with us. Outlawing algorithms won't solve the problem. As long as social networks can get rich by amplifying lies, they have a fiduciary responsibility to their shareholders to do so. Removing the legal liability protections the social networks enjoy is a practical way to arrest the spread of misinformation that threatens democracy. The burden of proof should also be shifted to the accused, as is the case in UK libel cases, so defendants with deep pockets can't put mounting legal challenges out of reach of individuals. 
Imagine how the posts trumpeted by the social networks would change if these platforms were liable for the lies they spread. Enraged to engage political campaign strategies wouldn't catch wind. Concocting conspiracies wouldn't be a marketable skill. And Alex Jones wouldn't be able to profit from lies about poisoned water turning people gay and then turning around and selling them water purification pills. He did that and made money. No joke. People actually believed him and bought his snake oil water purification pills. Shakespeare wrote in As You Like It, all the world's a stage and all the men and women merely players. But if you profit from that performance, you're not an audience member, you're a player too. Reforming Section 230 and reorganizing the social networks as active participants in the spread of misinformation is the answer to putting truth before lies, intellect before influence, and talent before popularity. Now's the time to make the social media circus the sideshow it should be. This is Eric Schwartzman for the Earned Media Podcast. On how you can earn influence through earned media, get the Digital Pivot audiobook at digitalpivotbook.com.